the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, an encore presentation from Philip DeCourcy. God sometimes speaks into our lives when we are faithful and we're at a good place and a good season in life, and yet it's then that God wants to unsettle us. And God challenges Jonah. The task is crazy, dangerous, and seemingly impossible, and the people repulsive. Here am I, Lord. Send him. I don't want to go. That's kind of where Jonah was. What do you do when you're asked to do a job you don't like? Do you just pretend you never heard the request? Or do you make excuses why you couldn't possibly comply? Well, today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy introduces us to a reluctant servant. Jonah had been a productive and faithful prophet until God asked him to do the unthinkable, to go to the infamous city of Nineveh to preach deliverance to the lost. We'll discover why Jonah became a man on the run as Philip shares today's message. Johnny Cash, the country singer, musician, once said, I was born the running kind. I was born the running kind. And you know, if we're honest, Johnny Cash isn't the only person born the running kind. Because the Bible tells us in Psalm 58 verse 3 that we go astray from our mother's womb. Isaiah 53, verse 6, the great evangelical prophet of the Old Testament says, All we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. Come into the New Testament, and the Son of God himself, Jesus Christ, presents the average sinner as a prodigal child. Remember the story in Luke 15 of the son who leaves his father in rebellion and goes and wastes his inheritance in the far country and then comes back in an act of contrition and repentance and enjoys the Father's love and the Father's grace. And it's a wonderful picture of the gospel. But in that picture, we have a picture of mankind. And mankind is the running kind. We're all prodigal children, made by God, loved by God, but we've turned our back on God. See, the fact is that our moral compass is defective. Through inherited sin, you and I are prone to wonder and leave the God we love and were made to love. We run from the true God and we follow after idols of our own creation. We run from responsibilities to love God and help others. We run from those responsibilities and follow some self-defined path to freedom. We run from the future and retreat into the past. We run from God's help and God's pro-offered grace, and we lean on our own understanding. 
We run from the implications of love back to the familiar feelings of prejudice and bias and hatred. As we come to Jonah, we're going to find a prophet who's of the running kind. Here's a man called by God, commissioned by God to take a word of repentance and redemption to a wicked city, and he refuses. As a prophet, Jonah is meant to arise and go to Nineveh, but instead of being on the up and up with God, he goes down to Joppa. He goes down into the boat. In the middle of the storm, he will go down into the sea, down into the belly of the fish, and down into Shoal itself. This is a life headed in the wrong direction. And we need to learn from his mistakes. We need to be challenged in terms of his running and God's chasing him. So let's take our Bibles and let's bear in mind, is there something God's asking any one of us to do in particular we're running from? And certainly there are many imperatives in the Word of God, the Great Commission being one of them, for which many of us are failing to fulfill. Our lives are headed in the wrong direction. Not deeper into the will of God, but faster out of the will of God. So let's look at this story. Jonah 1 verses 1 to 3. And the first thing I want us to see is what I call the requirement. This is the commandment or the commission that Jonah is given. It's there in verse 1 and in verse 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Let's be honest. This book gets off with a bang. You don't have to read a half a chapter or a chapter to kind of get a flavor of where this book is going. In the opening verses, the characters... The context and the content of this book are all pressed into the opening few sentences. This is a lively book, and God's going to challenge you and me by it and through it. Now look at the phrase that begins this prophecy. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. It's a familiar phrase. You'll find it over a hundred times in the Old Testament. And it's a moment in which God speaks through his servant. A prophet is an in-between man who stands between God and the people, and he receives a message or a fresh insight from God, and he speaks it. And so God catches up with his servant Jonah, who is a prophet in the court of Jeroboam II. He's ministering to the northern tribes of Israel. It's around about 760 BC, and God speaks. And Jonah hears, but Jonah doesn't listen. And we have a life-headed in the wrong direction. We have a prophet who's the running kind. But let's look at this requirement to go with a message from God to the people of the great city of Nineveh. There's several things about this requirement I want us to see. Number one, it was urgent. It was urgent. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Notice, go. Go preach to the great city of Nineveh. This is an imperative. In fact, there's a series, a string of commandments here. And the idea is to get up and get going. And here's what I see in terms of the urgency of this. Notice what we read at the end of verse 2. Go and preach against this city. Notice why. Because its wickedness has come up before me. It's like the stench of their sin has risen to the very nostrils of God, so to speak. Their sin offends him, he sees it, he hears it, and he reacts to it. In fact, we would put it like this, their behavior stunk to high heaven. 
It was rising up to the nostrils of God. Now, here's what's interesting. I think there's a little bit of a contrast here. Just as their sin was relentlessly rising to the nostrils of God, God's servant had to arise and go and confront that sin. There's an urgency to it, isn't there? And you know what? While there is a particularity to this call, it's unique, a prophet's unique, you and I might take this thought and go over to Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 to 20, where Jesus gives his marching orders to the apostles and those who will believe on them. And what does Jesus say? Go, arise, get about the task of preaching the gospel to all nations. Look, we need to be challenged by this. Go to the great city of Nineveh. We're challenged by God. Go to Anaheim, Go to Huntington Beach, go to Riverside, and speak my word and live my gospel and reach those who are living in the shadow of death or without God and without hope. And God is saying to us, as He said to Jonah, get going. Time's a wasting. People are perishing. Hell is filling. Remember when we were in the Mark's gospel, how often we came across that word concerning Jesus Christ? And immediately Jesus did this, and immediately Jesus did that. Oh, may there be an immediacy to what we want to do for Jesus Christ. Don't dream about it any longer. Don't talk about it any further. Do it. I like the story that George Duncan, the great Scottish Presbyterian pastor in Glasgow, told of the mother who shouted up the stir several times to her daughter to come down for breakfast. And several times the answer came, I'm coming, mum. I'm coming, mum. The mum got so frustrated at one point, she said, enough of the coming, Come. And so often we tell you our actions and our words and our thoughts are like, Lord, I'm coming. Remember what the pastor said a week ago? That song we sang was challenging. That sermon I heard, that book I read, I'm coming. I'm going to get there. I'm going to do that. And God's like saying, just come. Enough of the coming. Come. Go to the great city of Nineveh. This wasn't only urgent. It was understandable. This requirement was not only urgent. It was understandable. What I mean by that, it was clear and comprehensible, okay? It didn't come written in code. It didn't take Jonah long to work out what God wanted him to do, right? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, go to the city of Nineveh, preach. That's pretty understandable. It's as plain as the nose on his face. Arise, go, preach. Listen, The challenge of that when it comes to the will of God, missions, evangelism, service. Jonah's problem wasn't understanding the will of God. It was the will to undertake the will of God. And let's be honest about it. That is often the case. Our issue isn't that we don't understand the will of God. Actually, it's probably the worst kept secret in the Bible. Just study the phrase, the will of God. It's the will of God that you be saved because he's not willing that anybody perish. It's the will of God that you submit. It's the will of God that you suffer. It's the will of God that you're spirit-filled. We could go on outlining the clear purposes of God for the life of the average Christian. Our problem isn't understanding it. It's undertaking it. Jonah's problem wasn't a problem of comprehension. It was a problem of compliance. And let's admit, let's repent. Lord, our issue isn't that we don't understand what you want. The problem is the world, our desires, our selfishness are getting in the way of what you want us to do. You've heard me quote this before. Mark Twain was famous for saying, it's not the bits of the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's the bits of the Bible I do understand that bother me. 
And Jonah was bothered by what he did understand. Go to the city of Nineveh and preach. He understood that. He just wasn't buying in on this commission and this call. We'll get to why soon enough. But our greatest problem is not the discovery of the hidden will of God, but the doing of the known will of God. And if we are doing what we know to be God's will, you'll find that you'll rarely veer off course into those areas the Bible is pretty much silent on and we might be confused about. It's urgent. It's understandable. Thirdly, it's unique. This was an utterly unique commission. And what I mean by that was that for the most part, not exclusively, but broadly speaking, the prophets of Israel, when God spoke to them, he spoke to them to speak to the people of Israel. Sometimes they pronounced judgment on a foreign nation. But mostly it was to address the southern kingdom of Judah or to address the northern kingdom of Israel. But this one's unique. God says to him, you know what? You've been ministering to the northern kingdom in the court of Jeroboam II. Now I've got a unique call for you. I've got a unique requirement I'm asking of you. I want you to go to your mortal enemies, the Ninevites, and I want you to preach against them. I mean, that's unique. It's challenging. They were vile. They were vicious. They were violent. This is a crazy commission. I mean, this is out there. This is radical. And Jonah struggles with it. It's mind-numbing, heart-thumping, spine-chilling in terms of an assignment. I probably should update this, but I'm going on an analogy that James Montgomery Boyce did several years ago when he preached on Jonah, where he said, if you want to imagine this, here's what you need to imagine. It's in the middle of the Second World War. It's about 1942. And God speaks to a Jew living in Brooklyn, New York, and says to that Jew, I want you to go to Berlin, Germany, and speak to Hitler and the Third Reich. Are you up for it? That's how crazy this commission in Jonah's day would have sounded to him. And if you were to carry the analogy further, that Jew would not have taken a boat out of New York Harbor for Germany. He would have taken a train across the country to San Francisco for a boat headed to Hong Kong. That's what's going on in the book of Jonah. This is a unique call. It's challenging because look at this. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. By the way, does that phrase, its wickedness has come up before me, ring a bell? Well, if you know your Bible, it sounds very like Genesis eighteen twenty to 21 where God says to Abraham, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will come down now and see what they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come up unto me. And so this is a city that's just brutal, bloody, and bad. It's a great city. It was founded by Nimrod, according to Genesis chapter 10. It was the breeding ground for false religions, according to Revelation 17.5. At the time, it was the capital city of Assyria, and Assyria was a superpower. just want you to get something in mind here. According to Jonah 4 verse 11, we read that this city had more than 120,000 people who couldn't tell their right hand from their left. That's biblical language for children or adolescents who haven't yet come to a place of discernment. So if there's 120,000 young people in the city, one would assume this could be a city of 500 to 600,000 people. No small number. And Jonah 3 verse 3, here's what we read. Interestingly, when Jonah eventually goes there, 
Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. And most commentators believe that's acknowledging that it would take you three days to go around the walls of the city. We estimate that somewhere about 60 miles. The circumference of the city was about 60 miles. That's massive in that day. The walls were 100 feet high. Historians tell us that they were so broad that you could run three chariots and a team of horses simultaneously across the top of them. Massive city. Important. Politics, commerce. And you didn't want to be on the wrong side of the Ninevites and the Assyrians because they were brutal. We read that they would often skin their victims alive. They would drape the skin on the walls of the city or drape it over their victims, often kings, queens, noblemen, military generals. They decapitated their enemies and they piled the skulls high in a pyramid shape outside the city. They hung people on poles. They were kind of the precursor to crucifixion. They often cut off nose, ears, lips, extremities. They were brutal. They often burned the adolescents alive, boys and girls, so that they would be done with the generation that might rise up in revenge. Brutal people. So I just want you to have that in the background. Massive city, big, bad, brutal. And Jonah's happy in the court of Jeroboam II, ministering to his own people during a time of prosperity and peace. Read about it, 2 Kings 14, 25 to 29. And all of a sudden, God brings a unique call that's unsettling, which is the forethought. But I want to hold that thought because I want to think with you just for a moment or two about this idea here of go to the great city of Nineveh. We read in chapter 3, verse 3, Now, Nineveh was a very important city. And you and I need to underscore that thought. God would want us to reach cities for Jesus Christ. And today, people are living in great cities and wicked cities. Caught a little bit of the boxing match last night with several others, and the commentators were unashamed. We're coming to you here from Sin City in Las Vegas. Now listen to this. This is from a missiologist. 200 years ago, only 5% of the world lived in cities. The world's largest city was Beijing, which reached 1 million inhabitants in 1770. In 1800, two of the world's largest cities was London and Paris, and they were in the Christian world, Christian in inverted commas. In the following century, the so-called great century of missions where the church expanded Many of the world's large cities were evangelized effectively, so that by 1900, the five largest cities were London, New York, Paris, Berlin, and Chicago. And they had become strongholds for Christian ministry and missions. At that time, 14% of the world lived in cities. There were 20 cities of 1 million inhabitants. Since 1900, the number of megacities has multiplied 20-fold to 402 And the number of urban inhabitants has grown almost tenfold from 233 million to 2,882 million. That's 48% of the world's population at this given moment live in cities. In fact, it's been predicted that by 2050, there will be 7 billion urbanites. 80% of the world's population will live in major cities. 900 megacities, 
200 cities of over 4 million, 80 cities of over 10 million. By 2050, the world's five largest cities will be Shanghai, Mexico City, Beijing, Mumbai, and Calcutta. And all outside, in a sense, the Christian West. The challenge is great, as great as Jonah's day. And the challenge that comes to Jonah comes to us. It hangs right at the end of this book, chapter 4, verse 11. Should I not be concerned about this great city, says God? I think God's interested in the great cities and the inhabitants of those cities that live hurried but meaningless lives, unknown to them but dying to know the message of life that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. But let's pray that we can be more strategic about that. There's other things we can be doing, but just be aware of the great cities of the world and God's heart for them. And he says to Jonah, I want you to go there. And it's urgent and it's understandable and it's unique and it's unsettling. Because I've hinted at the fact when this word comes to Jonah, it's 760 roughly B.C., He's in a settled ministry. He's effective. He's ministering the Word of God, right, to Jeroboam II. He's actually prophesied a time of peace and prosperity that measures up to the expansion of Israel during the time of King Solomon. These are good times, and Jonah's at the heart of it. He's in a settled ministry. He's effective, productive, and faithful. And into the middle of it, God says, Now, pack your bags. I'm sending you on assignment to a vile, violent city called Nineveh. Believe me, that's going to rock his world, and it should, because he's kind of going in his head, what do you mean go to Nineveh? I wouldn't even get to open my mouth when my head would roll off. I don't even know I'd get through those hundred feet walls. What do you mean go to Nineveh? I'm just happy where I'm at. I like my little manse here, and I like my ministry here. And God challenges Jonah, speaks into that place of familiarity and comfort and rudely awakens him to a new venture. The timing is off, it seems, in Jonah's life because this is a good time. He's happy where he is. Most people move when they're discontent, not when they're content. The timing's off, the location is far, the task is crazy, dangerous, and seemingly impossible, and the people repulsive. Here am I, Lord, send him. That's kind of where Jonah was. I don't want to go. But you know what? God sometimes speaks into our lives when we are faithful and effective and we're at a good place and a good season in life. And yet it's then that God wants to unsettle us and send us to the mission field. And that is a challenge to you and to me. You're listening to Philip DeCourcy here on Know the Truth. Today's message titled, Headed in the Wrong Direction. It's part of our Best of 2018 series as we revisit some of Philip's most popular sermons of the year. Hear all of the messages in this Encore series when you visit ktt.org. At Know the Truth, it's our mission to share the truth of God that sets men and women free. And that's why we're out here on the mission field of the radio and the Internet. We're not just preaching to the choir. We're taking the ministry of Know the Truth to more people in more cities across the country. Because, as was the case in Nineveh, People today are dying without the gospel of Jesus Christ. Won't you help us get the gospel truth out through Know the Truth? Become a truth ambassador by setting up a recurring monthly gift of $25 or more. Sign up online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. 
It's your support that makes this ministry possible. And as a Truth Ambassador, you'll receive special resources like the Accord Newsletter, a live video devotional from Philip, and this month we'll send you the book Trusting God by Jerry Bridges. This modern classic belongs in everyone's bookshelf because, as Philip often says, in this life we're either in a crisis, coming out of a crisis, or going into a crisis. Request the book Trusting God when you give online at ktt.org or call 888 888- 6448811. And if you're new to Know the Truth, we want to send you a welcome gift. It's a free CD message from Philip titled Keep Calm and Carry On. Learn to take cover in Christ, trusting God with your present safety and your eternal security. Ask for the free CD when you call 888-644-8811. I'm your host Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back tomorrow when Philip will continue his message from the book of Jonah. That's Friday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you're around my age, one of these days you'll have to begin taking required minimum distributions from your IRA. Otherwise, the IRS is going to penalize you. If you're forced to take money out, what are you going to do with that money? How will you continue to grow it for yourself and your family? What kind of legacy will you create with it? I've been an investor most of my life, and I started Tradeway to share skill sets with brothers and sisters in Christ around the country. I want you to come check out our Step 1 Start Your Journey two-day event and have a blast learning fun, realistic, and powerful information about investing tactics that have the potential to help you get the most out of what you've spent your lifetime earning. Coming to the Sheraton Tyson's Hotel, October 26th and 27th. Only $99.95 for your entire household, plus a free ticket for a friend and a full money-back guarantee. To register, call 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-8723. Or go to Tradeway.com. That's Tradeway.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindu. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.